0: Testing, testing, testing. Can you hear me? This is Audible Autism. Hi there everybody, Odd Eye here. This episode of Audible Autism will be a special one because not only... It'll be my first solo episode, because it will also deal with a topic that I feel is a universal one. But for Aspies in particular, it adds on an extra layer of difficulty. That issue being, how does an autistic person make their way around living in a big city? The biggest issue that comes with trying to get from point A to point B anywhere in London is usually the cost of travel itself. A few years ago, back when I was a university student, I found that most of my money ended up going towards topping up my Oyster card and making sure I had enough to get to and from campus for that week. Problem is that by the end of the week, I'd find that most of the money in my account had been gone and I'd be left wondering where it all went. Money management in general is difficult for anybody, but due to the lack of practical experience as well as guidance in regards to money management and the best way to use it, it then becomes one more added layer of difficulty for autistic people. Now comes the issue of actually trying to get around and make it to my destinations. I'll be honest with all of you, I have a terrible sense of direction. Always have. Because of this, it feels like I have to work ten times harder than somebody else trying to get to point A to point B. Be it trying to get to gigs, appointments, to special cinema events, whatever. All it takes is for me to make one wrong move for the whole journey to come tumbling down. The worst instances have involved me having to turn back and go home or getting on the wrong train and finding myself at a station I'm unfamiliar with and having to call home to ask somebody what I need to do next. The best way to describe the feeling is like being stranded on an island. It's disorientating, confusing, causes you to mentally shut down and panic. While having a bad sense of threat is not a serious disability, Frequently causes issue for Aspies because it only reveals itself when the person is in an environment that they're not immediately familiar with. Aspies are more likely to not on- to only remember the route and direction to a room of a specific building and not much else. They're mentally unable to relook to mentally relocate themselves according to the place, so they might be able to find their way back. Apps for me have played a big part in changing how I approach getting from one place to the next. When I was younger, if I needed to get somewhere, if family members weren't sure as to where I needed to go, it was suggested that I look up directions on either Google Maps or the London TfL Transport for London website. While on the surface, these both seem to be decent to use, the former lacks the variety and ease of understanding its map, and the latter is only restricted to routes maintained by TfL. Google Maps often tends to be a pain as the routes it suggests could be long and would require multiple changes. Not only that, but because my short-term memory isn't too great, it'd mean having to carry a print out or writing down the directions on a piece of paper just to be safe. Which is why I'm thankful for CityMapper. Not only does it give you the information as far as different routes to get to a specific location, it gives you an idea of the cost, whether specific train lines are working, delayed, or just not working altogether. On top of that, the app also covers bus and cycle routes, has a map feature, as well as allowing the user to set their home and work locations if they need it. Now, we here at Audible Autism acknowledge that some of our listeners may not be the most tech savvy in terms of using apps or might simply just prefer to to use other methods to deal with commuting instead of relying on their phones. And for that, we do have some tips and ideas that might be useful for them. If you're in a small space like, say, on the underground and feel as though you're in danger of having an anxiety attack, it might be a good idea to carry something physical with you so as to get your head out of that tense space that often brings on such meltdowns. A handheld item like, say, a 3DS or the Nintendo Switch, as that's got portable function, is a good way to direct your attention onto something, especially in spaces where it's difficult to move, as for some people, these meltdowns are a very physical experience. One suggestion I heard from a friend of mine is that they bring a pack of cards along and play solitaire. It might also be a good idea to bring a small soft pillow along or maybe a blanket to double up as one, so that way you can get enough sleep as you're travelling. The more sleep you get, the better you feel about outdoor senses. It might also be a good idea if you're on a new form of transport to ask people beforehand what the experience is like to mentally prepare yourself. While this is more applicable to, say, taking a flight, it might also come in handy if you're not used to how densely packed certain spaces can be, especially when it comes to rush hour. To go back to my issues regarding travel, it was around the time of my diagnosis that I was made aware that I was eligible to get a freedom pass. What it does is it allows a person to travel free of charge around London, whether it be on the London Underground or by the Transport for London bus services. This was suggested to me by a uni advisor due to the fact that they are offered to people with learning disabilities as well as pensioners and all the residents of London. Travel is free at any time on bus, tram, tube, DLR, London Overground and TFL Rail after 9 9.30 weekdays and any time on weekends and public holidays on most national rail services in London. If your, free- if your Freedom Pass has a rose on it, it means you can travel free on buses all over England. Not only that, but it gives you access to fare discounts on River and Emirates airline. The Freedom Pass is only available in London, but as I live there and it's such a large metropolitan area, I'm going to go a bit in depth on how you can get one. Sarah, who is more often the host on this, carries a Freedom Pass as well. As she has explained to me that she is the travel sense of a lemming, and rarely manages to get to any destination without getting lost at least once or missing her stop, sometimes several, and having to double back. So we can both testify that having a Freedom Pass and not having to worry about the cost of our poor sense of direction has been a great relief to the both of us. So if our international listeners could forgive us, we'll now be going into the weeds about how to get one. In regards to the actual logistics of getting a Freedom Pass, according to London Council websites, the disabilities which make someone eligible for a Freedom class are as follows. 1. People who are blind or partially sighted. 2. People who are profoundly or severely deaf. 3. People without speech. 4. People who have a disability or have suffered an injury which has left them with a substantial and long-term adverse effect on their ability to walk. 5. People who do not have arms or have a long-term loss of use of the use of both arms. 6. People have a learning disability that is defined as a state of arrested or incomplete development of mind, which includes significant impairment of intelligence and social functioning. 7. People who, if they apply for the grant of a license to drive a motor vehicle under Part 3 of the Road Traffic Act 1988, would have their application refused pursuit to Section 92 of the Act Physical Fitness, otherwise than on the ground of persistent misuse of drugs or alcohol. Let's bring our attention to point six. People who have a learning disability is defined as a state of arrested or incomplete development of mind, which includes significant impairment or intelligence and social functioning. A major issue I found on applying for my own Freedom Pass and why I delayed getting one for a long time was due to the fact that the description itself was rather vague. We here at Audible Autism decided to reach out to London Councils with a series of questions regarding the Freedom Pass scheme. To which I will now read out the questions sent and the responses given back to us. What is the Freedom Pass scheme and how long has it been around for? How many people are issued one every year in London? The Freedom Pass is the name given to the London-wide concessionary travel scheme, which provides free travel on all TfL services and most trains in London to over 1 million older and 180,000 disabled residents. It is the most comprehensive concessionary travel scheme in Europe. The scheme has evolved over the years with more generous travel concessions offered, for example from half fare to free travel, with availability extended to more modes of transport over the years. London-wide free bus travel was granted to London residents of pensionable age in 1974, however blind Londoners received travel concessions prior to this. Blind servicemen in London received free travel concessions on tube, trams and buses in 1922, following a government directive offering free mainline rail travel to wounded servicemen in 1921. A blind and disabled travel concession, which was not restricted to ex-servicemen, was introduced much later in the 1960s. It was branded the Freedom Pass in 1998, and free travel on local buses was extended to the rest of England in 2010. People meet the criteria either by age, currently 65, eligibility age increasing by phase to 66 by 2020, Or who have a disability, the scheme is funded by London local authorities and managed by London councils, an umbrella group representing all 32 London boroughs and the City of London on their behalf. Around 48,000 passes are issued each year to new applicants. The pass lasts for five years, and pass holders are invited to renew their pass before it's due to expire. What are the main ways you try to promote the scheme so that people know they are eligible for it? The Freedom Pass has its own website managed by London Councils. Each borough also has a section on how to apply on its own website. That website being https www.londoncouncils.gov.uk forward slash services forward slash Freedom Pass. I'll repeat that again https www.londoncouncils.gov.uk. Forward slash services, forward slash freedom dash pass. Borrowers also have copies of application forms and their own local publicity. What does the Disability Freedom Pass entitle you to, and in what way might it be more beneficial than a regular Oyster card? We read on the website that entitles you to free travel on buses in other cities. Oyster cards have to be paid for, whereas the Freedom Pass allows free travel. The disabled Freedom Pass has the same benefits as the older person's Freedom Pass. What sort of proof is needed for those who might have a statutory disability to add to their Freedom Pass application, for example autism? Applications for the older person's Freedom Pass are managed by London Councils, but applicants for the Disability Freedom Pass apply to their local authority. For example, somebody living with a disability in Lambeth would need to contact Lambeth Council, and someone living with a disability in Brent would need to contact Brent Council. Boroughs use the Transport Act 2000 statutory eligibility criteria as amended by the Concessionary Boss Travel Act 2007 to assess applicants. However, some boroughs issue discretionary passes to people who do not meet the criteria in exceptional circumstances. All applicants have to provide written es- evidence of residency in the local borough and also that they meet the disability criteria. They can range from being registered blind with the local authority. Having a certificate of visual impairment, a CVI, to receiving certain benefits such as the personal independent payment, PIP. Alternatively, medical evidence from a doctor or specialist may be provided. Although London Council may give general advice, it is for each local authority to interpret the criteria and carry out assessments. With regards to autism, we believe each applicant is assessed individually and there is not a catchall criteria. The section for this eligibility is at HTTPS www.londoncouncils.gov.uk forward slash services forward slash freedom pass forward slash disabled persons freedom pass forward slash eligibility. According to the website in the section, one of the statutory disabilities that allow someone to be eligible for it is people who have a learning disability that is defined as a state of arrested development or incomplete development of mind, which includes significant impairment of intelligence and social functioning. Some people may feel this ruling is slightly vague and might put them off from applying, especially autistic people who might be disabled but do not see themselves in this, de- in this definition. Is there anything you feel that might quell those suspicions? Local authorities work within the guidelines they are given under government legislation. London boroughs are keen to make sure that those entitled to a Freedom Pass are benefiting from the opportunities offered through concessionary travel. We work in partnership with organisations such as Transport for All and attend local mobility forums to give presentations and answer questions about inclusivity and disabled access. We are not aware of any autistic people being discouraged from applying. What are the ways that people can apply to get a Freedom Pass? Applications processed by individual councils with their own criteria. Do councils interpret centralised standards? Applicants for the older person's Freedom Pass can apply online or by paper, and these applications are handled by a contractor working for London councils. Applications for the disabled Freedom Pass are assembled by each local authority, using the statutory guide as outlined above. The application process can vary from borough to borough, with some offering online as well as paper applications. London Councils will launch an online portal later this year for disabled Freedom Pass applicants, which will provide a simpler, more efficient service for Londons with disabilities. And with that, I think we have reached the end of this episode. I hope you all found it really informative, and for more information, please make sure to follow the Autistic Empire Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. For updates on new episodes, and if you would like to get further involved with like-minded people, Get involved and join the Autistic Empire Forum, which, as you know, this podcast is a part of. Thank you for listening.